Welcome to episode number 164, Mother in Heaven. Now this is a bonus episode, pursuant to our last episode regarding feelings of loneliness and marginalization. I wanted to provide the sisters who listen to this podcast some understanding of our Mother in Heaven. Now I believe it important to their feelings of identity and belonging. Now as far as church teaching and doctrine is concerned, we know very little about our Mother in Heaven. The only real references we have are contained in the gospel essays about her, and of course the reference in Eliza R. Snow's poetic song, Oh My Father. While those teachings are minimal in nature, and they really do not teach us much about her, there is much that can be inferred from scriptural teachings, and those women who have graced the pages of the scriptures. I realize that this topic can be a little unnerving to individuals in the church, although I am not entirely sure why. There is nothing more heavenly to think that we have a mother who is concerned for our welfare. Now, growing up, my earthly father used to tell me regularly that he felt that we don't learn much about her because our Father in Heaven desires to protect protect her. I am personally not of that persuasion. What I see in her is the bravery of Esther, the loyalty of Ruth, the pure nature of Mary, the joy of Elizabeth, the love of Mary Magdalene, the stalwart faith of Emma Smith, and so many other ennobling characteristics of women in the scriptures and early church history. As we learn about the women of the scriptures, we hear echoes of the mother who taught them. So frequently when we review the scriptures, such as those contained in Doctrine and Covenants 138 about being taught lessons before this world, we do not speak of our mother in heaven. But undoubtedly, she was there instructing all of us about the missions we would fulfill here on this earth, especially the sacred mission to bring forth children and to nurture and teach them. I have watched my own wife somehow know exactly how to teach and love a child. Her love comes so naturally and with such force that I can't help but see another mother in her actions, a heavenly one. Even in that cute nesting drive that occurs just before a child is born. Now, many of us might say, well, that comes from genetics and is wired into our mortal nature. But I tend to think everything that comes naturally to a woman about raising a child was learned from our Heavenly Mother. The love that a woman carries for her child is the closest thing we have to the love of the Savior that He carries for us. And it is that same love that was taught by our Mother in Heaven. Now, we sometimes wonder why she is mentioned so little here in this life. Why can't we know more about her? I am certain that time will come, doctrinally. However, there are some things that can be inferred about her based on what we know about exaltation and eternal life. Now, luckily, I have no authority in the church. I don't even speak for the church. I'm not a general authority, stake president, bishop, and so forth. This does allow me to speak a little more freely about my personal beliefs, and they are my personal beliefs. But I think that you might find some of the reasoning to be fairly sound. When we speak of eternal life, so often we speak of the idea of living with our Heavenly Father and Mother forever. But that is not exactly the true definition of eternal life. The true definition is the continuation of life, and not just the continuation, but that we are part of that continuation. Eternal life means that life is not just immortality or even living with our Father and Mother in Heaven, but that creation of life is to extend throughout the eternities. That is the glory of our Father and Mother in Heaven, that we return to them and continue to create life. 
one must understand in heaven there are two types of the keys of the priesthood. Now, they are really all one type and really all one set of keys, but it helps to separate them to understand the relationship of our Father and Mother in heaven. There exist keys of creation and keys of exaltation. The primary function of our Father in heaven is exaltation, and the primary function of our Mother is creation. Both sets of keys can only operate in the highest degree of celestial life, and they can only operate within an eternal companionship. These keys are guarded and given only to those who will use them appropriately. There exists no greater power than to create independent life. Now, I'm not talking about putting a mortal shell around a spirit that already exists. I'm talking about bringing forth independent spiritual conscious life in teaching and training and nurturing that spiritual life to the point that the keys of exaltation can be used to exalt that life. You see, our mother in heaven is involved and invested heavily in the creating and nurturing process. She brings forth independent life, and not just spirits identical to her and the Father. She is responsible for bringing forth life in all its varieties, plants, animals, insects, and all the life we see upon the earth. She is the definition of creation. Our Father in heaven's primary responsibility is the exaltation of that life. He exercises the keys to take that life that has been brought forth and nurtured and to clothe it with physical bodies. He creates worlds and bodies and mortality and then provides for judgment and the plan of happiness and mercy that allows us to hold the keys he does and the keys that our mother does. Now, father and mother help each other in their responsibilities, but they each hold unique and equal primary responsibilities. You cannot have exaltation without the creation of life, and you cannot have further creation of life unless you exalt that life. Each holds equal power in the process, and they work hand-in-hand hand perfectly to bring forth life and then exalt that life. One of the reasons I believe that we do not hear much about her in this life is that we are now in the exalting process, and that is the primary responsibility of the Father. That is also the reason I believe we pray to him on this earth. This life right now is about exaltation, and he is the primary guardian of those keys. This doesn't mean that our mother isn't intimately involved in our lives. This also doesn't mean that she does not hear our prayers. I am certain that she does. Now, how do I know this? When you look at the scriptures in creation, you find something very interesting about it. The word used for the Father is Elohim. Now, that word is plural not singular, meaning that meaning more than one God. I fully believe that Elohim is plural because it represents both our father and our mother. They do nothing separate of one another, and so they are referred to as one plural God. One of the scriptures given to Adam and Eve right after the creation of Eve is interesting as you think about it in the idea of this plural. It is important to remember that Adam and Eve had no earthly parents when you read this scripture. It states the following. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. While we generally attribute this to mortal marriage, and it does refer to that, what is more important is what is taught. The idea of one flesh is more than the idea of bringing forth children. It is the idea of oneness. A oneness so complete that a plural form of the word for God could be used to represent this oneness, a word such as Elohim. 
This is how I believe that when Elohim creates man in his own image, it can refer to the woman and the man. Now, there is certainly more to the nature of that name and creation, but we will leave that for another time. What is important right now is that our Father and Mother in Heaven are often referred to together rather than separate. This gives us the understanding how those keys can work together and as primary functions for each of them. Now, I firmly believe that every motherly instinct of every woman on earth, whether or not she bears a child, bears witness of a mother in heaven. One could not help but become like her. So, in some ways, we actually see our mother in heaven everywhere. Do we not hear her in the voice, <clears throat> in the bravery and the love of Esther, as she states the following? And so I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Do we not also hear her in the voice, in hear her voice in loose Ruth's loyal plea to Naomi? Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and my God thy God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there I will be buried. Do we not also hear our Heavenly Mother's voice in Mary's words to Gabriel in Luke, first in verse 37? Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And then later in verses 46 through 55, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoiced in, my, in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he, is mighty, for he that is mighty hath done great things, and is holy in his name. And mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers Abraham and to his seed forever. The truth is, we hear our mother's voice everywhere, and in every woman on this earth. I also like to think, and this is very personal, and this is very much something that I think, that in Christ's most difficult moment in the agony of the garden, it was his heavenly mother who came to comfort him. Do we know this? Absolutely, we do not. We actually do not know who it was that came. But I have always liked to think that it might have been her. In this moment, when creation and exaltation came together, I like to think that she came to her son to comfort and to urge him on to victory. Why do I think this? Because when we are in our greatest agony, we always desire that motherly comfort. However, that is for you to decide. Why I have chosen this topic, and what does it have to do now with the overall topic of mental illness? I personally understand that mental illness strikes women more often than men, and the illness can be and often is marginalizing and sometimes minimalizing to everyone who experiences it. I think it, that it can be more so to women, and I believe that they suffer more deeply than do men. I personally think that it can be very comforting to understand just how much our Mother in Heaven does care for our daughters. We do not pray to her directly, but she is so entwined with the Father that she cannot help but hear every plea. Does she answer? Now, I believe so, that she does through the Father and the Spirit, 
Because our father and mother are so completely unified, the answers that come from our father are identical to what our mother would have said. I feel it important to note, though, in imperative that we do pray to the father, but we should understand that she is always involved. I feel strongly that it is important for sisters to understand that she understands perfectly what you are experiencing in this life, because she experienced it. Every time you feel those emotions of love and concern for another, you feel her and the lessons she taught you so long ago. You cannot help but feel her inside you because everything you are is because of her teaching and training. She is you and you are her. No sister within the church should ever feel isolated or marginalized because she is a woman. The priesthood on this earth is concerned with the keys of exaltation. That is the part of the process we are in right now. You sisters already possess one of the greatest powers given in the eternities, the powers of creation. Those keys will become permanent and expanded as you move into exaltation. I realize that many times the suffering of the sisters with mental illness comes from abuse, neglect, and men abusing powers they believe they possess. I can tell you if they are abusing them, I can promise they don't possess them. This causes great concern and difficulties with the priesthood, marriage, the idea of eternal companion, and so many things with eternity. Great concerns come out of these evil acts of men about future companionships, trusts, love, and exaltation. So much suffering can come out of an abusive relationship or experience, and sometimes that suffering lasts a lifetime in the form of mental illness in all its varieties. This can cause one to feel very marginalized and alone. And I hope that just a small understanding of your mother in heaven can bring you a measure of peace and that you are certainly not alone. You possess within yourself the greatest power in heaven and earth, the power to create. Now, for now, it is providing bodies and the necessary nurturing to bring them to the Savior and the powers of exaltation. But as you are faithful, that power will be expanded to include the creation of independent spiritual life and the teaching and nurturing of that life. No responsibility or power in heaven is greater or more guarded because of its sacred nature. Your mother in heaven is certainly not hidden in some part of the celestial realms, but is consistently involved with the Father as you progress towards exaltation and eventually the gift of creation. While we are in this current process of exaltation, we pray to the Father, but the answers most certainly come from their unique oneness of nature, and those answers always have a part of her with them. May the Lord bless you to see your true identity in nature and the power you now possess and will possess in the eternities. May you find her within you. Until next week.